Welcome to the Data Protection and Privacy Podcast, hosted by David Clark. Thank you for joining us. David is the founder of one of the largest LinkedIn data protection groups, which now has over 21,000 members, and David has over 102,000 followers on Twitter. This podcast is about data protection and privacy technology, where David chats to leading edge technology companies and thought leaders to discover whether technology can make our data protection work easier. Please subscribe and follow David on Twitter at one David Clark. Hello, today I've got Dennis O'Shea, founder of Mobile Mentor. It's really great to, to have you on the podcast. I've been looking forward to this for ages, actually, because I think we've been discussing this by email. So, yeah, this is the Data Protection and Privacy Podcast. Welcome, Dennis. Thank um, you, David. Pleasure to be on. on there. And, yeah, we, we've been chatting. And I think one of the really interesting things, actually, is that you, you've done quite a bit of research, haven't you, on how companies, remote workers, and what effect that's been having on, on business and people and frontline staff. I don't know if you'd like to go on through why you did the research and what, what you found out. Sure, I'd love to. Thank you, David. We were very curious at the end of 2021 to understand what was actually happening in the remote workforce. And we were thinking about all the millions of people that were really well set up now in their home offices to work. And we wanted to understand what's actually going on out there in those remote offices. Yeah, and yeah. what are people doing with their passwords and <laughs> where are they saving their company data? And are we were they brave enough following? to ask that, yeah. <laughs> we were. And, and we decided to do it in a little bit of a cheeky way. We didn't ask IT what they thought their employees. Right. We went straight out and we asked the frontline employees, what wow. are you actually doing? Wow. And and of course, the answers we got back would, would not be, were not always what we expected and probably not <laughs> what, what the IT management no, no, you or IT leadership would have expected. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we were really curious because obviously you, we've got all these people working remotely and we saw a huge shift in the last couple of years where People went from being in a traditional office environment that had a domain and maybe had VPNs yeah, and all that yeah. to this remote world. And, and at the same time, we saw a 500% increase in cybercrime. Cool. And then we saw the global chip shortage. Which yeah, yes, that's right. Forced, yeah. yeah. And what the chip shortage did was it forced people to use BYO laptops like never before. Course, yeah, yeah. And, and I know the demand for secondhand laptops went through the roof, exactly. didn't it? And the prices exactly. went up and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think many organizations had figured out how to deal with BYO smartphones and yeah. BYO iPads, but not BYO laptops. Yeah. But suddenly, with the chip shortage, companies no needed choice. to embrace no that concept. Yeah. No choice. And then, of course, as we thought we were coming out of the first wave of the pandemic, companies started hiring people remotely and onboarding new yeah. employees remotely whom they yeah. had never met. And those yeah. people are now working in their home office environment, sometimes with BYO devices, yeah. and they're connecting to a domestic grade internet connection, yeah. which is probably being shared with the TikTok yeah. generation and the YouTubers <laughs> and the Fortniteers. Yeah. And, and then in 21, we saw this great resignation where people were saying, I, I want more flexibility in yeah. my work. And so we wanted to understand What's going on? What's driving all the cybercrime? What's driving the great resignation? Yeah. Why is all this turmoil going on? What's happening out there in the home office wow. of all those people? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's why we did the study. So, yeah. So my guess is what came out of that? What's some really interesting? I guess the first thing we found was that security to anyone working in it security is a big deal we talk about absolutely. it we think about absolutely, it it's a frontal yeah. low consideration absolutely 
but it's not for our employees. Yeah. And that was the well, big... they've got to do their job, haven't they? Security, strictly speaking, is it... A- it, it it's not, and they almost see it yeah. as a hindrance to doing their yeah, job. Yeah, of course, yeah. And so we found that for many employees, security policies are almost invisible and security training is infrequent and they don't even notice it or remember it. Yeah, yeah. So we found that security awareness is quite immature in many organizations. Although all of us have done it for what, the last 20 years, probably. Yeah. If you've worked in any size company, it's always been mandatory. Yeah. Yeah, it has. And then the corollary to that is we found that privacy is much more important to employees than we expected. So one of the simple questions of the study, this was a nationwide study. One of the questions was what's more important to you, your personal privacy or your company security? (laughs) Great question. I think 76% of people put their personal privacy ahead of the organization. Wow, that's security. interesting. It is. And, and it varies by, by generation. We did the research by generation. And okay. Gen Z, I'm going to share a bit to you, with you about Gen Z because they're a fascinating bunch. They have a totally different worldview, totally different. And if you think about Gen Z. Well, what, are, age, what age group is that roughly? So in, in terms of demographics, they yeah. are 20 to 23 years old. Got it. Okay. Black Pacific, of, yeah. Yeah. And in terms of psychographics, they're clearly defined by being the only generation alive who cannot remember 9-11. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we all, I bet you remember exactly where yeah, you were. Yeah, I do. Who I you do. Were with, I what you were doing do. yeah. on the day. Yeah. And I bet you all your listeners do as well. Yeah. With the exception of Gen Z. They were running, they were alive, yeah. but they were running around in nappies. And they were not profoundly impacted. Age of my oldest daughter, yeah. Yeah. Mine too. Mine was a 2001 baby. And they've got no concept of what we all went through and the profound impact on the psychology of everybody at the time. Like I was living in Switzerland, but it's a neutral country. Yeah, but still, yeah. the impact of 9-11 was, was, was enormous. And we all was, went yeah. through the next 20 years with security as a you know, frontal yeah, yeah. consideration. Gen Z didn't. Sauntered through the last 20 years, and now they've entered the workforce during the pandemic. Right, they graduated from university. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. They've not seen work as it used to be. Exactly. They never knew an office-based work culture like we did. Yeah, They never knew it. And they joined the workforce during the pandemic, probably working remotely for people whom they've never met or or, or only met over video or through a screen. And their concern about company security is – Really low, really low. I guess never seen it or experienced it, I suppose, either. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't understand the gravity of a yeah. breach. They just don't understand it. And and what we found through our work in this industry over the years is the people who are closest to IT and company leadership seem to yeah. get it the most. They understand yeah. the gravity of yeah, a breach. Yeah, yeah. They understand why security is important. The people who are furthest away in the organization yeah. understand it the least. And yeah. then you take young people who are working remotely, they ha- they're they a million yeah. miles away from understanding yeah. the gravity yeah, of this. Yeah. But then conversely, they care a lot about privacy. A lot, which is something I can't reconcile in my mind. That, that's interesting, that's- yeah. Because my son, he's, well, he's 17 now, yeah, and I'm always talking to him about privacy. And he goes, what's the problem? He goes, and the trouble is he's been 35 for the last sort of six or seven years with different identities because he's 
has to put a, to use stuff. I, I don't condone it, but it's what happens. He will put a different age, a different name on everything he looks at. Yeah. So he doesn't see that privacy is a problem because it's not him anyway. And, and the bit that, that I'm struggling to reconcile is how much this generation, the Gen Z generation, shares on social media. Like oh, so yeah. much of their massive, lives. Massive, isn't it? Massive, massive amount of massive, information. Massive, yeah. So they're setting themselves up for social engineering attacks in a way by sharing so much information course, yeah. their friends and their pets and those where they go, they what they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who they know. But yet when we survey them, they tell us that privacy is hugely important. Wow. So wow. There's, there's something there's, going on there there's, that there's, I haven't reconciled yet. I no, no, it's it fascinating stuff. Yeah, definitely. it is. And, and when we ask people, how often do you see a security policy at work? That generation tell us, 14% of them tell us, I've never seen a security policy. Yeah. Which we know, we call BS on that. We know they do see them because all employees see them. Yeah. And then when we ask them about how often do you receive security awareness training, about, I think it was 16% that never received any. This episode is made thanks to vcso.co. We help SaaS companies meet privacy and cybersecurity requirements and standards. That way, they close sale deals quicker and can achieve cyber privacy alignment certifications in minimum time. We leverage our experience with global companies, finance, and regulated environments to help you navigate the layers of corporate compliance. Book a fast compliance consultation at vciso.co. That is V-C-I-S-O dot C-O. I helped a large company roll out a huge amount of data protection, 4,000 people or whatever it was, yeah. And what I did was I, I got a couple of uh, people who just done the course and I said to them, what do you remember about the course? What's a couple of important things about data protection? And I think without fail, they both told me consent management. And when you think about consent management of a company, how many people are involved with consent management? Probably about two in the whole organization, no matter how big it is. So what we achieved inadvertently was everybody remembers the wrong stuff <laughs> or, yeah. or the least useful, should I say? Yeah. yeah. So I totally get that. Fascinating. But, and the dichotomy there was when we asked people, how often do you see a privacy policy at work? Many generations go, no, I don't remember seeing one, but Gen Z are yeah, we see them on a regular really? basis. Really? And they, they read them. They don't wow. just click to accept. They wow. actually look through them. That's fascinating. So here we have this generation that yeah. is almost blind. Like we've got an image of a bag over a kid's head where they're almost blind to security, but they're hyper aware wow. of privacy. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. It is. And, and we think there's a nugget, there's a gem in that employers can use. And if we keep banging on about security to our employees, we know now they're not listening. Yeah. Their eyes glaze over, their ears are closed. They're a bit fatigued by security messaging. Yeah. If we reframe it as a privacy message, ah, we get their attention. Interesting. So if we say, hey, David, the reason we're doing these initiatives is to protect yeah. your, your information yeah, yeah. and your colleagues' information and our patients' information or our students' information. And, and this is to make sure that we, we protect your identity Absolutely. and that we, you don't yeah. get rich. Now we've got their attention. It's very interesting. Yeah. So that was one of the big things we got was this kind of black and white polarized view of security yeah. and privacy. The other area that came out of the research that was really interesting was what we call password hygiene. Uh -huh. Yes. 
That sounds good. And oh my God, there's uh, there's some crazy stuff going on there. Yeah. So like we found that 31% of people write their work passwords in a personal journal, okay. a personal notebook. Yeah, yeah. And 25% of people- well, Yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah. Carry on. I was going to say 25% of people uh, keep their work passwords in a notes app on their personal phone. On their personal phone. That's interesting because I, I reckon, because I do work with quite a few different companies, and I reckon on average, an average kind of employee has to know seven passwords to actually do their work. So they've got to get through the building. They might have a pin code to get into the building, another pin code to get into their office. Then they've got to log onto their machine. And then there's going to be a number of systems that you can't store passwords for that they have to access their timekeeping, whatever. And, and I think it's something you suddenly have to remember. How do you remember these? Yeah. If you're not given a way of remembering them. So you can't write them on a piece of paper because you might lose it. You've got to put them somewhere and that then becomes a problem. You're absolutely right. Now the data we got from our research yeah. shows that the numbers are much higher than oh, really? per person, <laughs> much, much higher in the twenties on average yeah. and Gen Z, um, 18% of Gen Z workers have more than 40 passwords. Wow. More than 40, Crazy. which is interesting because yeah. they, ha they haven't been in the work environment that long, yeah. but they seem to have a lot of different accounts, which leads to uh, another topic I'll come on to later about shadow IT. Yeah. All the applications and services and various collaboration tools that Gen Z is using that are not sanctioned are, are approved by their employer. Yeah. But the, the problem with passwords is there's two problems. One is we've got too many. Yeah. And apparently 67% of people admit that they choose passwords that are easy to remember. The thing is, if you don't and you're remembering 20 passwords, how are you going to do it? Correct. Because we're, yeah. we're not walking databases. We can't yeah, yeah. remember all these long. And, and, and you change strong, them every month. You've that got doesn't happen. Huge common uh, reality kicks in there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And BBC did a really cool study last year and they showed that I think it was 15% of the British population use a variation on their pet's name as their password. <laughs> really? So you just find their pet's name on social media. Wow. And then add spring wow. or summer or wow. some numbers or months or the name of the number of the house or the phone number. Yeah. You've got a good chance. You've got a good chance. Easily done then, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're narrowing it down, isn't it? Because there's all these things in there on the internet. How long does it take to crack a, a nine character password or whatever? And then you can Not see long. these graphs. But the thing is, if you know the bulk of those characters, yeah, potentially, you've narrowed yeah. that down hugely. Yeah. And, and we're at the stage now where hackers don't need to break into our networks. They just log in with our weakest password. I think, wasn't that the uh, CISO of Microsoft said that people don't hack, they just log in. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 So th there's some crazy stuff going on with passwords. Interesting. Really crazy. And there's a big movement now to go passwordless and just yeah. do away with passwords or get it down to one password. One strong password with single sign-on everywhere and try and avoid this password sprawl where you've got- Yeah, it, it, password is a major problem. Okay. It sounds like, yeah, I've got a few clients who've been ransomware and it's a disaster. There's, there, there's no good outcome in reality. Yeah. Just hopefully they can survive and stay in business is, is, the, been, is the best. Exactly. And what's really tragic is watching the patterns during the pandemic and how the ransomware went after healthcare and education in particular, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically following the money, following the COVID grant money in many yeah. countries. Uh, yeah. I like it. Like, 
Yeah. yeah, like in, in the US, all the schools and universities got uh, some serious money from the federal government to right. help them cope. Right, right, right. So they and had money to pay for ransom. Is that correct? Yeah. And all the money is in a spreadsheet. So I've got the spreadsheet. It's publicly available on the internet of right. the money that every school got that they were in every allocated. university. Uh, so if you're a hacker yeah, and yeah. you want to follow the money, you go look at a school and say, this school in Tennessee got 26 million. Okay, I know what to ask for. I know what they can afford. I know what they can't afford. I converted to Bitcoin. That's my target. That's my negotiation. Wow. So and you're already negotiating with insider knowledge, which was an insider is public. Correct. Oh, it's public knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And so I was, it was really tragic oh, to see hospitals and schools. That's crazy, and, isn't it? And also municipal governments and cities and councils and organizations were genuinely trying to help society cope. Of course, yeah. With this pandemic. And then they're dealing with, Cybercrime. Yeah, astonishing. Yeah. So what are the other things, David, I think that you'd be interested in is the shadow IT. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's an interesting findings. area, isn't it? Because in the old days, shadow IT was somebody using a service they brought into the office doesn't exist. Everyone uses Correct. cloud services. Correct. And so where does shadow begin and formal IT end? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the pandemic really tested many organizations. And, and what we found when we when we surveyed frontline workers was that 46% said they find their company security policies too restrictive. So 42% of them have found ways to work around the company Whoa. security policies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost 60% of people said they feel they're more efficient with Gmail and Dropbox than with the tools provided by their organization. Mm. So that kind of spells failure in a way. Yeah, definitely. That, that these workers feel like they're being constrained. They have to take matters into their own hands and yeah. use consumer grade cloud tools. Yes, yes, yeah. Or at yeah. least they feel more efficient with those tools. Yeah. And when we did the, the the study, we looked at it from the perspective of generation, but also by remote workers versus office workers. Yeah. And we also looked at workers who were onboarded remotely during the pandemic okay. versus okay. those who were onboarded yeah, yeah. in an office environment. Yeah. And we find that there are two groups that are driving shadow IT faster than anybody else. Yeah. And it's remote workers and our friends, Gen Z. Wow. <laughs> and both of those wow. are doing shadow IT more than yeah. any other generation or any other cohort. Interesting. That. Yeah. This podcast is made in thanks to Mindful IT. If your small or medium-sized company needs help with its current project, or if you prefer to get the help and advice now to avoid problems later, Mindful IT can help you out. We sell, service, and manage Linux servers, as well as internal business networks and public-facing internet servers. If you don't want to pay high prices for generic cutie-cutter services, but want a custom solution and clearly communicated advice, Mindful IT offers the care and customization that your business deserves. Mention this podcast and get your first consultancy call completely free. Visit mindfulit.net for more information. So I guess the kind of logical thing now is, is there a solution? Should there be a solution? And how do you manage this? I think that the solution is that employers will need to work hard to find that right balance between the employee experience and security, because it's not right. 
yet. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not right. it's not workable. It, yeah. It's, it's it, yeah, it's not working today. But I think the, the data gives us some good clues. So if employers really lean in and understand their remote workers and involve remote workers in making product decisions, mm-hmm. they're going to get a better result. So bringing okay. some of those remote yeah. workers into the tent, yeah, and helping select the next collaboration tool or the makes sense communication tool or storage tool or chat tool, whatever it is, or or for helping them figure out how to deploy it and how to communicate it and how to configure it in a way that it really lends itself to remote workers. Yeah. Then I think we'll hopefully have remote workers more bought in, identify the nuances and how these tools can work and should work and be less tempted than to, need to go out and use Dropbox or spin up sure, you know, some yeah, cloud of course, services yeah. that, that yeah. IT doesn't know about. Yeah, fascinating. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So I think there's there's a lot that can be learned from the remote workers and also from Gen Z will help company leaders figure out how to communicate better because they're just on a different wavelength. If you're, if, you're, uh, if you're an IT manager or a CISO and you're drafting comms on something, involving some of the Gen Z people to review the comms or even to help write the comms is going to make sure it lands better for them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. That's a really, I think even the concept is really interesting because I don't think many companies would even apply that concept, whether it was Gen Z or not. It's normally top down and this is what you have to do. Yeah, you might involve IT, sorry, HR to review stuff that's sure. coming out of IT or yeah. maybe finance, but but you you probably wouldn't think about doing it from a generational perspective. And as well as getting the, the subtlety in that messaging. Yes. And Whereas you, they, those companies would do the subtlety in the messaging if they were marketing their goods and services. Yes. But not necessarily well. to, their, well. to their own teams. Yeah. 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 So really thinking about it from the perspective of the remote worker and the Gen Z worker. I think there's, there's a lot that organizations can learn from those two groups. Definitely. Have you had any kind of clients use that information in real life yet? And are they consuming We have. Thoughts? We've been, what we've been doing with the research is sharing. We've built an independent website to share it openly just so we can educate and inform. So that's called the endpointecosystem.com. But we've also been doing some private briefings. So for mm-hmm. large organizations who want to understand what this means, we've been doing some private briefings for the C-suite. So it's not just for IT, but they're yeah, bringing yeah. in HR and finance and other people. And Senior we have a one-hour session yeah. to discuss it and say, what does it mean? What can we learn from it? How do we interpret this? That's what are we great. going to do differently yeah. next week? And, and they're always great conversations. I love doing those. They're so much fun. Definitely. Definitely. So fun. Yeah, no, absolutely fascinating kind of topic. We, we, we've got to finish up fairly soon, Dennis. Um, so I, I, I guess, what would your kind of, I don't know, two or three top tips for companies managing, I guess, the remote worker or the remote kind of environment, where should they start? What should they look at? How can they improve it? Sorry, there's a million questions all in one there. (laughs) I would say two things. I would say tactically focusing on the onboarding experience for new employees is an area that every company needs to spend time on. We found that it takes an average of three days to get a remote employee properly set up with their really? devices. Really? Three days. Wow. And it requires three support tickets. 
So that's a horrible first experience. <laughs> horrible. And we know now yeah, yeah, technology yeah. can be done in it can be done in one hour. You can have yeah. a laptop fully configured out-of-box experience in one hour. Yeah. So many companies really need to revamp that onboarding process and bring it into the modern era. That's my tactical advice. Yeah. <clears throat> my strategic advice would be that if you study Gen Z and remote workers, you'll be able to predict the future. Um, so Gen Z is now in the workforce in their first yeah. job. Yeah. And they're floundering a little bit because yeah. they joined remotely. They don't have the benefit of, a, of an office-based culture. Oh, this was going to be two months, didn't we? Like, exactly. Not this and, length and, of time. And, and, yeah. and it's been a so long two years. Yeah. And, and those Gen Z people struggle a little bit with a sense of belonging and understanding the context of their work because they yeah. don't have all the loose links that happen in an office-based environment. Yeah. And they're in the workforce. They're doing Okay. But 71% of them in the study said that they think other companies are doing a better job than their company with tools and technology. Interesting. So they're a huge flight risk. They're a huge flight risk. So if CISOs try and clamp down and force more security upon them, they'll walk. Yeah, that's because 71% think others are doing a better job. But we think if CISOs and and CIOs and and leaders embrace them and understand what they're doing and what they're thinking, we think that will be a great predictor of the future. Because as Gen Z moves into their next job and their next job and their next job, over the next five years, they'll move into managerial positions. Yes. The attitudes and behaviors they bring with them will prevail. Yes, definitely. And then, of course, we're going to see a whole new generation of Gen Z join the workforce in May this year and next year. And eventually they will become the dominant force in the work in the workforce. Yeah. So the more we seek to understand them, the more we can observe them, the better we can predict the future and design a better future that will yeah. empower them and hopefully get that balance right between security for the organization yeah. and the experience for the employee. Yeah. And retention of staff. Yeah. Absolutely. Phenomenal. Absolutely. Empowering them and retaining them and setting them up to do great things in the organization. So we think we're sitting on a little gold mine in having this data to understand how Gen Z thinks and and how they act. And and we're going to repeat this study every year for the next four years and just keep sharing it freely. So we have that longitudinal study over five years to see how their minds are shifting, yeah. how their attitudes to security and privacy are shifting. How that many passwords do they have in five years' time <laughs> compared to now? Where are they saving them? Hopefully none, but there you go. Um, exactly. Hopefully it's all passwordless and zero trust by then. But right now it's not. It's still a very clunky experience for them. You know, yeah. all their accounts and passwords. and Yeah, it is. Lot. It's not easy for anyone. Yeah. So great. We can can predict the future, which is really, I think think that is amazing kind of insight on that. Yeah. We've got to finish up Dennis, but really appreciate this. And this is amazing information. And I I don't think that many people are aware of this information and that it exists. So if anyone needs to get in touch with you, how should they do it? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Probably best way to reach me is on yeah LinkedIn, Dennis O'Shea, Dennis with one N. I'm yeah. on LinkedIn. I'm reasonably active. My yeah. company is called Mobile Mentor. That's mobile-mentor.com. We specialize in helping companies get their IT environment right so it balances security and employee experience. And if you want to see the study uh, research data, that's all on the endpointecosystem.com website. And you can just download the reports there for free. 
That's great. Thank you so much. And we need to speak again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Cheers. If you've got a modern hybrid workforce with some people working remotely and some in the office, Mobile Mentor can be your partner to help you get the balance right between security and your employee experience. That's mobile-mentor.com. This episode is brought to you by vcso.co. We help companies to meet privacy and cybersecurity requirements and standards so they close sales deals quicker and can achieve cyber certifications privacy alignment in minimum time. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe.